Good evening. It's good to see everybody here tonight, and I trust on your way in that you were able to pick up the little container of the elements. Uh, we will be observing the Lord's Supper tonight that way instead of the deacons passing trays. And so if you did not get one on the way in, uh, you need to. Uh, slip out in the lobby and get that. And of course, the Lord's Supper is for baptized believers. And uh, again, now would be the time to slip out and get that. You know, I'm so grateful that on the church calendar, we do have times each year, Easter and Christmas, uh, both of these holidays, because at Christmas, obviously, we recognize the incarnation, uh, God sending his son. And then at Easter, we reflect again on his death for our sin, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it's a time that you and I are called upon and admonished in Scripture to meditate on these things and to remember once again uh, the means of our salvation. And it's a testimony to the world as the Lord's Supper passages that we use speak about. Uh, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, as often as we observe this, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What does he mean by that? We proclaim that it's only in Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, that we are justified. And so there's a proclamation in the observance that we are about tonight. And so thank you again for being here and use this time to reflect between now and Easter Sunday uh, of the price paid for your sin and my sin. I do want to mention a few folks. We rejoice with Joe and Marlene that his daughter is out of her induced coma, a brain aneurysm, and uh, she has apparently come out of her surgery pretty well, and so we rejoice in that. We do want to pray for Ch uh, Chuck Mobley, who is in the ICU at Northeast. He was there, came home last night, had to go back again last night, and uh, Chuck is really struggling. And so we need to pray for this family. Also pray for Robbie Jones. He will be leaving tomorrow, going to Alaska and scoping out some things for the youth mission trip that will be uh, coming up this summer. And uh, as we are at our sunrise service, it, Sunday it'll be kind of chilly, you know, in the 40s. But Robbie and their sunrise service, they will be in single digits. So anyway, rejoice and be glad Sunday when you think it's cold. It's not nearly as cold as what he's experiencing. But uh, he's helping get some things lined up for the youth to go later. But uh, let's go to the Lord tonight in prayer. Can we do that? Father, we do thank you for this time that we reflect in particular Tonight, tomorrow, the suffering of Christ, the illegal trial that he endured 
And even Pilate said, I find no basis for a charge against this man. And yet he was handed over to be crucified. Lord, we know that this is your plan because the Bible says from the foundation of the world, Christ was crucified. We know that there's no other way for men and women to be saved except through Jesus Christ. And God, I would pray that if there is anybody here tonight who does not know Christ in a personal way, as they witness this service and as they witness the body of Christ observing the Lord's Supper, Lord, that you would use this event and the message this evening to convict their hearts, to draw them to faith in Jesus. And Lord, may each of us indeed meditate on your suffering for us. How Peter says in 1 Peter 3.18, the just died for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Christ died the death that I deserve. And yet he died for me. Lord, may we preach the gospel to ourselves daily. And may it motivate us to holy living and also expectant living as we're looking for our blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who will come again for his bride. Lord, until then, may we live in holiness and may we be a witness of the good news in a lost and dying world. May we shine the light of Christ in a dark world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It was three days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The religious leaders who collaborated with the Roman occupation were conspiring against Jesus. They had gathered in the place of Caiaphas, the high priest. This man had received the high priesthood at the hand of Valerius Gratus, the former Roman governor, and now retained the office under Pontius Pilate. They all were planning to quietly arrest and destroy Jesus so as to avoid a revolt among the Jews. Then one of the twelve, named Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what will you give me if I deliver Jesus to you for the governor? When they heard the offer, they were glad and promised Judas 30 pieces of silver. From that hour, he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. At the beginning of the feast, when the Passover lamb was sacrificed, the disciples of Jesus approached him and asked, Where do you wish us to prepare the Passover meal? Jesus took two of his disciples and instructed them, Go into the city, and you will see there a man carrying a water jar. He will show you a suitable place. The two did as Jesus commanded. They entered the city where they found the man with the water jar, who brought them to a large upper room. When evening had come, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, I tell you truly that one of you is going to betray me. The disciples were stunned with grief and began to protest one after the other, Surely not I. 
Jesus replied, the betrayer is one of you dipping his hand in the dish with me. The son of man's fulfilling scripture, but woe to that man through whom the son of man is betrayed. Then Judas slipped out into the night.
Matthew Choir. I want to share a story with you tonight that is written by Dr. Bob Record, who used to lead our North American Mission Board. Listen to this story that he shares. And guys upstairs, I'm going to ask if you'd cut down my mic a little bit so I won't uh, echo and ring. Bob Record shares the following. During the Great Depression, a Missouri man named Don Griffith controlled the railroad drawbridge across the Mississippi River. In the summer of 1937, he took his eight-year-old son Greg to work with him. At noon, he put the bridge up to allow ships their passage. Enjoying the presence of his son, he lost track of time. At 1.07, he was startled by the Memphis Express blowing its whistle in the distance. He dashed to the controls and prepared to lower the bridge. Just before releasing the master lever, he panicked as he caught sight of his son. His son had slipped from the observation deck and now he had his leg caught in the cogs of the main gears. Griffith quickly thought of a plan to rescue his boy, but there was no time. The express train carrying 400 passengers was bearing down on the bridge. Saving his son would cost the lives of the passengers. In anguish, Don Griffith threw the lever and watched his son die in the cogs of the gears. His son's death spared the lives of all the passengers on the train. As they sped by, great heartache followed as a numb Griffith stared into the windows of the speeding train. He saw passengers reading their newspapers and sipping coffee in the dining car, oblivious to the price that had just been paid to save their very lives. No one even looked his way to acknowledge his great sacrifice and overwhelming grief. Through tear-stained eyes, he screamed at the top of his voice to the passing train, I sacrificed my son for you people. Don't you even care? Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're showing that we do care with gratitude in our hearts the price that Christ paid for our sin. If you have a copy of the scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 for a moment. Hebrews chapter 10. And listen very carefully to these words. For since the law, I'm beginning in verse 1, for since the law was but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. 
For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I've come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water what a beautiful and powerful passage as I think of that passage that speaks of the sacrifice of Christ I think of Jesus with his disciples in the upper room and they have just observed the Passover meal with all the rich history of that Passover meal that the people of Israel would remember in their minds the events going all the way back to Exodus chapter 12 when they put the door uh, the blood over the doorways and the death angel passed over and every year they would celebrate that event and of course the feast of the Passover and they've celebrated that together Then Jesus teaches them the significance of the death that he's about to die. That he's the new Passover lamb. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Christ is our Passover lamb. And his blood that is to be shed is the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant 
that fulfills the old and also renders the old covenant now obsolete. And he was going to offer himself a single sacrifice that would never have to be repeated. That's what we celebrate tonight. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, again, we rejoice with hearts of gratitude. We pour out our thanksgiving to you. You did for us what we could not do for ourselves. God, we thank you for the way that through all the centuries leading up to Calvary, the hearts and minds of your people were prepared for the coming of the Messiah. And then with his arrival and his death on the cross, his blood is the blood of the new covenant. Lord, through that shed blood, we have the remission of sins. And we are adopted into your family whereby we can cry out, Abba, Father. And we do indeed look forward to that time when you come for your bride and we will forever be in that place that the Apostle John describes at the end of Revelation as the new heavens and the new earth where you're making all things new. But until that time, we proclaim your death until you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As they walked, Jesus said to his disciples, You will all desert me this very night. So it is written in the prophet Zechariah, Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Then Peter protested, Though all desert, I will remain by you. Jesus replied, 
I tell you truly that in this very night, before the cock crows twice, you shall deny me three times. Still Peter maintained, even though I must die with you, I will never deny you. And so declared all the disciples. Jesus halted at an olive grove called Gethsemane. And going apart with Peter, James, and John, he left them on watch and continued a little farther alone. There he fell on his face in anguished prayer. Soon he returned to the three on watch and found them sleeping. Rousing them, he asked Peter, Could you not watch with me for just one hour? Watch and pray that you are not put to the test. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again Jesus went apart in troubled prayer, and again he returned to find the disciples sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. A third time Jesus withdrew to pray, and a third time he found the disciples sleeping. Then Jesus said, Sleep on and finish your rest. Now is the time for the Son of Man to be delivered into the hands of sinners. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus had not finished speaking before Judas, one of his own disciples, arrived with a group of Roman soldiers and other armed men from the temple. Now the betrayer had arranged with the authorities for a sign and had said, The man whom I kiss is the one you want. In accord with his agreement, Judas went directly to Jesus and cried out, Greetings, Master, and he gave him the kiss. Jesus responded, Judas, did you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Immediately the soldiers laid hands on Jesus and held him fast. Then one of the disciples of Jesus drew his sword and cut off an ear from the slave of the high priest. But Jesus said to him, Sheath your sword. All who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Do you not know that I can call upon my Father and that he will respond at once with more than twelve legions of angels? Then, turning to the mob, Jesus continued, Have you come for me as against a rebel bandit with swords and clubs? Why did you not seize me in the temple where I sat teaching by day? Were you so afraid of the religious authorities that you must come for me by stealth? Nevertheless, your actions are fulfilling the words of the prophets. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Those who had seized Jesus brought him to Caiaphas, whom the Romans had made the high priest. Peter followed at a distance as far as the courtyard. There he sat with the attendants and warmed himself by the fire. The high priest had gathered his whole council, and they began, began to arrange the case against Jesus, which they would present to Pontius Pilate, the governor. The charge was that Jesus claimed to be the king of the Jews, and they brought in many false witnesses, but to no avail. Finally, two came forward and testified, we heard this man say, I will tear down this temple made with hands, and within three days build another not made with hands. The testimony was evidence that Jesus claimed an authority over temple affairs, which traditionally belonged to only the rulers of Israel. And in those days, Israel was ruled from Rome. Yet even these witnesses were unable to agree on their testimony. Finally, Caiaphas stood up and examined Jesus directly. Have you no answer to these charges? demanded the high priest. Jesus remained silent and answered nothing. Then the high priest put the question of kingship in terms of the royal titles, anointed and son of God. Are you the anointed one, the son of the blessed? He probed. Jesus answered, 
I am, and you shall see the Son of Man seated on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. The high priest turned and said, What need have we of witnesses? He has condemned himself. They all concurred that Jesus was indeed worthy of death. And those holding Jesus began to spit on him. They covered his face and were striking him. They taunted him and said, O anointed one, prophesy who it is who is striking you. gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I
that he will bring me home and day by day I know he will renew me until I stand with joy before the Now Peter was warming himself in the courtyard when a small slave girl entered. She confronted Peter and said, You also were with this Jesus, the Nazarene. Peter quickly gave a denial. I do not know what you're talking about, he replied, and went outside into the gateway. Meanwhile, the rooster crowed. The slave girl followed Peter out and said to the bystanders, This man is one of them. Again, Peter denied knowing Jesus. After a little while, the bystanders said directly to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you speak with a Galilean accent. Then Peter began to swear with an oath, I do not know this person of whom you are speaking. But the rooster interrupted him as it crowed for the second time. Immediately, Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. He went out and wept bitterly. When morning arrived, all the chief priests, along with other Roman collaborators, bound Jesus and delivered him over to Pontius Pilate, the imperial Roman governor. When Judas saw what was happening, he knew that Jesus was doomed, and he repented. He returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and confessed, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. What is that to us, they responded. That is your affair. Judas threw down the 30 pieces of silver in the temple. Then he went out and hanged himself. Picking up the silver pieces, the chief priest said, it is unlawful to put this silver into the treasury for it is blood money. Whereupon they used the money to buy the potter's field for the burial of strangers. Therefore, that field is known to this day 
as the field of blood. Jesus stood before the Roman governor as the accusers made their charge. We found this man perverting our nation, they said. He was forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor and proclaiming himself anointed king. The governor asked, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, you have said so. The chief priests were accusing him of many things. Therefore, Pilate again spoke to Jesus. Have you no answer to give? He asked. Look at how many accusations they are making. Jesus astonished Pilate by remaining silent. At the feast of the Passover, the governor used to release a prisoner, and some were urging Pilate to do so at this time. Now, there was a notable rebel in prison with those who had committed murder during the insurrection. His name was Barabbas. Therefore, the chief priests arranged a demonstration to demand Barabbas. Pilate asked them, who do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, the anointed one? The demonstrator shouted, Barabbas! Pilate responded, what shall I then do with Jesus, the anointed one? The crowd shouted, crucify him! Pilate continued, are you certain of his guilt? The crowd took up the chant, crucify him, crucify him! Again, Pilate spoke, shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar! cried the demonstrators. Then Pilate agreed to release Barabbas, but Jesus, the anointed one, he handed over to his soldiers for scourging and crucifixion. To see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten men, nailed to a cross of wood. This the power. Thank you. 
Soldiers led Jesus away within the governor's palace. There they assembled the whole battalion. They clothed Jesus in royal purple. They set a crown of thorns upon his head and shoved a reed between his fingers for a scepter. They began to mock him by kneeling before him and proclaiming, Hail, King of the Jews. They also spat upon him and smote him on the head with a stick. Then, after mocking him, they took away the purple robe, returned his own clothes, and brought him out to crucify him. On the road, they met Simon of Cyrene coming in from the countryside. They compelled him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means skull. There they crucified him. They offered him wine, mingled with myrrh, but he refused it. His garments they divided among themselves, casting lots for them. Over his head, they inscribed the charge against him, the king of the Jews. And there were two insurrectionists crucified with him, one to his right and one to his left. Those who passed by were shaking their heads in scorn and saying, So you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Likewise, the priestly collaborators mocked him as they said to one another, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the anointed one, the king of Israel, come down from the cross 
that we may see and believe. Even the two crucified with him revived.
Now from midday there was darkness over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At that hour Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Words that mean, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders said, look, he is calling for Elijah. One of them put a sponge full of vinegar on a stick and laid it to his lips. Others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come down and take him down. Then Jesus, having uttered a loud cry, breathed his last breath. Suddenly, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. Even the tombs of the dead were opened. Centurion on watch and the others who were with him saw all that was taking place. They were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Sometimes it causes me to 
May Jesus Christ, who for our sake became obedient unto death, yes, even death on a cross, keep you and strengthen you this night and forevermore. Amen. Would you exit in silence, keeping with the tone of tonight and remembering the sacrifice that our Savior made for us. We'll see you Sunday.